You can either uh, send a series of Humvees on the ground, or you might have to dispatch a full helicopter, a Blackhawk. Both of those are either dangerous or inefficient. What is up, futurists? This is Michael Zakond, the founder and creator of Our Future. We're the go-to business media brand for the most ambitious young professionals who want to immerse themselves in the hottest trends, the most powerful entrepreneurial stories, and the best mindsets for crushing it in this thing we call the business world. I'm pretty excited to be dropping a special episode today focusing on the future of aviation and the transformative potential of advanced vertical lift mobility with none other than Chad Sparks, the Director of Strategic Campaigns and Business Development at Bell Helicopter, the world's most advanced helicopter manufacturer based out of Fort Worth, Texas, that is transforming both military and civilian applications for vertical lift. You guys know how much I love the coolest and most sophisticated vehicles. So let's dive into our future in aviation. And before we begin, shout out to Aaron Gill, who listened to every single episode of Our Future last weekend. And we had an amazing FaceTime discussing what he liked most about the show. And it was absolutely incredible to get that feedback. Looking to have more conversations with all of you. So thank you if you've been reaching out on Instagram. It means the world to me and can't wait to be talking with a bunch of you this upcoming week. The business of helicopters, I'm I'm excited. Let's start with uh let's start with some history here. You know, Bell was founded in the 30s, started off with fighter jets, you know, helicopters became the mainstay of the business, uh, you know, after the Huey had so much success. When I think of it, I think of you know, the ride of the Valkyries and you know that crazy scene in Apocalypse Now. Um, Indeed. <laughs> what's the history behind that? You know, I think you you lay out a great landscape. I mean, history wise for Bell, I mean, we we started out as an as just an aircraft company. I mean, way back in the 30s. What was really interesting to me when I reflect on the history of of Bell is we we sort of had innovation in our DNA from day one. So if you look at the very first aircraft that we developed as a company, it, it was the Bell X1. It was the aircraft that broke the sound barrier at the time. And so we were we were always positioning ourselves in kind of the forefront of of how to push the envelope. I, I would say there's a couple of, of points there that really um, created that shift in, in sort of the, the vertical lift dimension. And one of them is, is clearly the Huey. You know, that was the first really widespread adoption of, of vertical lift of rotorcraft in a defense application. And it, it fundamentally changed the way warfare was really thought about, you know, how you do utility and logistics supply, how you really can uh, be um, agnostic to the ground infrastructure underneath you and be able to move troops and people in, in a completely different way. You saw really the first uh, scout helicopters that came out of that made helicopter aviation sort of widely accessible. And, and that started in a couple of different industries. It started uh, with news gathering. It started with uh, emergency medical services. It started with uh, sort of police and fire rescue. So there were there were all of these really interesting sort of societal benefit missions that, that began that, uh, that shift in sort of commercially available rotorcraft. And Bell was right there at the beginning. So what's what's been fun is to watch the progression since then. Tilt rotor is insane for people who can't visualize it. Right, it's like you said, it's a mixture of an airplane and a helicopter. It does vertical takeoff, and as it flies, those rotors tilt forward, and it's just a, a crazy thing to see. And 
the Bell V280 developed in, in 2013. It's, it's, as I said, completely crazy to look at. It's actually in the corner of your screen right now. Why was that vehicle developed? Like, why are we seeing kind of this hybridized model and aircraft production between vertical lift and kind of maybe some aerodynamic qualities of an airplane? The the, the Marine Corps and uh, the U.S. Uh, Air Force Special Forces were the early adopters of this kind of technology because they they had a need at the end of the day. They, they needed to be able to uh, operate uh, off of carriers and be able to insert troops, insert uh, logistics, uh, a, a fair distance away from the shoreline, but to do so really effectively. And so they needed a vertical lift component to get off of off the deck of the ship and then be able to to sort of cover this tyranny of distance is the way we kind of like to think about it and and have runway independence at the end of the day. So you could go and land just about anywhere you wanted. And so the the V-22 was was the first production version of that. And I would actually call it kind of third generation tilt rotor. Uh, there was a commercial version that we also sort of experimented with in the 609. And we've licensed some of that technology out to uh, some other folks to bring to market. But then the 280, to your point, is sort of this fifth generation tilt rotor now. And so the U.S. Army has really recognized this need where they've got to be able to get people and goods, you know, at, at really long distances, but yet not be tied to runways or other infrastructure. And so it, it completely changes the concept of operation for many defense applications. Vertical takeoff, you just don't need that real estate. It's a wild environment of innovation to think about creating helicopters and vehicles that are capable of feats that were never before imagined. I think that's just, I mean, it must be exciting to, to be at Bell and just to, to, to be futurizing all the time. I think that's pretty exciting. The U.S. spends so much on the military and people will say what they will, uh, but there is that silver lining of technologies being developed for the military, making their way into consumer applications. One way you guys are eyeing, you know, or, or kind of reflecting that is through the, the Bell ITP, which is a autonomous pod transport. Looks like a you know a drone that you know that would deliver packages and be able to, to do all that kind of thing. How does that speak to bringing what comes out of the military into the economy, into the commercial world, into your you know your everyday life? Just to describe the vehicle, it's a very uh, sort of simple tail-sitting biplane, if you will. It takes off vertically, and then like the V twenty two or two eighty, it kind of rolls over and flies uh, like an airplane that allows you to operate much more efficiently in terms of long range crews. And so whether that vehicle could be applied in a defense application, and you can imagine a scenario today on a battlefield where you have a squad of soldiers that may be 10, 15 miles away from a forward operating base and they need to be resupplied. And there's a couple of ways you can do that today. You can either uh, send a series of Humvees on the ground and expose them in a particular way uh, as part of that, or you might have to dispatch a full helicopter, a Black Hawk, uh, to go bring that resupply mission in. Both of those are either dangerous or inefficient. And so having an autonomous vehicle like APT to be able to just go put those, those goods, whether it's MRE or, or water or ammunition, you know, to the point of need is really a new flexibility that we can imagine in a defense application. You can pivot that right into the commercial world and look at how are we trying to reinvent logistics today in the commercial space? And, and certainly uh, the COVID environment has done a lot to accelerate uh, sort of the demand for, for uh, services and goods in a much faster way, in a, in a more contactless way. And so 
you know, there, there's a lot of work that's being done in sort of small logistics. Uh, you see a lot of guys that are that are doing sort of this last mile delivery mission, which is super interesting. Uh, it's but, the hardest you know, thing, right, to, to, to actually nail down. It's, it's, it's a very so the the thing that we have really focused on has been sort of this near last mile or this middle mile logistics because that's that's where our specialty sits. You know, we're doing larger vehicles with more capability, ones that need to fly in the national airspace, ones that uh, need to have a certain um, you know safety uh, culture about them. Uh, you know, we've we've been building aircraft for a long time. We know how to do it and how to do it really safely and effectively. Uh, and so you know, trying to synthesize together. Uh, electric propulsion and autonomy in a really cost-effective way has been our focus on vehicles like APT. Yeah, I could see you guys definitely chefing up a partnership with uh, maybe Amazon or some of these big tech companies to to really take that to that commercialization stage. It's it's very interesting and it is powerful, right? The the kind of tie-in from you know the Huey was developed for Vietnam, right, and then it ended up being used by hospitals and fire departments, Coast Guard, etc. You know, this innovation makes its way into to other parts of, of life. So, I mean, there's also you guys are going to have a big stake in the future of mobility, right? Potentially, you know, launching air taxis that shuttle you around cities and you know provide for much faster to movement. I mean, that's pretty exciting. And I know you guys are have have an eye on that as well. How are we going to move around in the future? From a from a, a technology pull standpoint, you've seen a couple of a couple of things happen that are really important. You've seen the sort of widespread adoption of electric and electric propulsion technologies, and then you've seen this widespread adoption of uh, autonomous technologies. And so, bringing the two of those together with a vertical lift experience is what I think makes this kind of future around passenger mobility really interesting. And so. You know, as we've thought about what what does that future vehicle, what does that future passenger mobility experience looks like, it it starts with kind of standing way back and thinking about you know what what is your what does your journey look like on a given day? You know, as as you wake up in the morning and you decide, you know, I've got uh, you know I'm I'm meeting my friends for lunch downtown. How am I going to get there? And how does vertical lift play a role in that? And so we've envisioned things like the Bell Nexus. Uh, which is, you know, around is really focused around a customer experience point of view. So different than a traditional rotorcraft that might have uh, a bunch of main rotor noise, it might have uh, kind of turbine noise with it. Um, you know, you you sort of optimize around this customer experience, and so you change the complete rotor configuration and try to really focus on noise and uh, you know approachability of the aircraft. And, and probably one of the most important pieces that I think the industry is still struggling to solve in this early stage is, you know, how do we create affordable and accessible aircraft? You know, one thing we've seen, I think we've just seen a greater trend of democratization in vehicles that it might have been driven by ownership, right? When Uber came along, it was a service-based model, right? Where in, with an app on your phone, you can get anywhere using someone else's vehicle. And I think that will really be kind of the the centerpiece of this future vertical lift world, right? So I, I would say there's probably three enabling aspects of, of how we get affordability right on this kind of future of, of the urban air taxi piece. And uh, I'd, I'd say the, the first and, and biggest one is probably around the affordability of the electrification of, of the vehicle. Uh, and that really comes all the way down to kind of battery, battery chemistry and battery cost per kilowatt hour so trying to find this, this intersection point. 
uh, between what automotive is doing and what aviation needs on a battery cost and chemistry standpoint is a really important sort of first step. The, the next step I would say is, is around autonomy. Uh, there, there's certainly a, a pretty significant cost element that comes with piloting of the vehicle. Think about all these natural disasters we're having and all these fires, for example, here in California, you know, there, were, there was a time when the smoke was so thick, especially, you know, in the fire that was near me, the CZU lightning complex, the smoke was so thick that the, they couldn't be flying choppers or planes to, to extinguish the fire, right? So you could send that aircraft in, right, without fearing for, for the life of, of those flying the chopper. And then, you know, we think of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. You know, rather than having a pilot on board, you have a, a console operator that might be controlling five or 10 or 20 vehicles changes that cost paradigm. On, on a vehicle like the Bell Nexus or, or others, there's, there's gonna be fixed costs to operate that vehicle and variable costs. And the, the, the more that you can fly and operate the vehicle without it sitting there as a latent resource is, is the way in which you help converge on that. And having a shared services model increases that utilization rate. I mean, you, you essentially need to generate, you know, more than a thousand hours a year on any one of these vehicles in order to, to begin to make them cost effective. If I looked at kind of conventional helicopter industry today, the average of most helicopters is probably on the order of 300 to 500 hours a year that, that it gets in flight time. The highest utilization rates are generally in kind of the oil and gas industry. Those, those folks will do 1,000, 1,200 kind of flight hours. They mostly, uh, there's a couple of different missions in oil and gas. Uh, they typically do uh, some passenger transport to offshore oil rigs, and they will do some resupply missions as well. So if they're urgent part deliveries, if they have something break down on the rig, uh, then they, they're uh, expediting parts out to help uh, enact that repair. So, so Chad, just to, to round things out, what would be your career advice to a young person who is literally just kind of making their first footsteps into business? Like, what have you learned throughout all your time in this, in this, in this world of, of business that we live in uh, that you would, you would tell your younger self? And there's, there's a couple of things, and I'll, I'll take a, just a real short diversion for you, Michael. So my, my career path has been uh, a very nonlinear one along the way, even within Bell. I've, I've been a longtime Bell guy for almost 25 years. Uh, you know, my, my background was in engineering, but, but along the way, I spent time in our supply chain organization. I was in program management. I was in uh, business development. I was in flight tests for a while. In this emerging market space today that, I, that we're in with, with um, advanced air mobility, there's a lot of ambiguity uh, around us. There's a lot of uncertainty, and you just got to be willing to go step into the breach. You know, there are some days where uh, you know, my hat, my head is thinking about market development. There's others where I'm thinking about business partnerships. There's others where I'm thinking about how to train the future workforce of tomorrow as we shift from, from an aviation company to a technology company. And what are the different skill sets that we need in order to be successful? So the, those, are, those are probably the two big things that I, that I think about, but it's really taking that proactive initiative and going, I see a gap and I'm not going to look around and, and see if somebody else is going to fill it. I'm going to, I'm going to step into the breach and I'm going to learn in that moment. And I may not be perfect uh, in, in kind of the first moment of that. And I, and I love kind of uh, uh, Guy, Kaw Guy Kawasaki. has got a lot of fun things that he says about kind of the world around it. So one of, one of my favorite, one of my favorite phrases of his is, is the don't worry, be crappy. So, you know, when you, when you, whether it's go to market or it's even about yourself, it's like, just, 
just try it, you know, be, be transformational in some ways. And you're going to learn in that moment uh, as part of it. And it doesn't have to be perfect, but just be willing to sort of uh, take that on. So those, those are a couple of things I'd, I'd walk away with. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chad Sparks from Bell Helicopter sharing some fascinating insights on the future of vertical lift mobility and some particularly fantastic career advice that got me pretty damn fired up. We're making our way to 100 episodes. We have some mega stuff planned and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this pod to your Instagram story. It's a pretty easy way. One click to help the show grow. And as always, stay frosty, everybody.